Listen, I'm going to throw on some clothes. Want to go down and have a couple of beers? Why? I don't know. I just thought maybe... I know what you want. I knew it the second I saw you. You want my secrets. No, I don't. I just want some advice. I don't give advice. I'm in this with me, myself, and I. That's it. Sorry. Novotny gives me free reign, no way? Must be your sparkling personality. Because I'm the only guy, Alex. I'm the only guy who can do it. What you got? Yeah, yeah. What you got? What you got? I got nothing. Four years later, I got nothing to say. <laughs> I really don't have anything. I really to say. don't. I got nothing. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Fascinated with Films presents Obsessed with the Obscure. Oh, now that would be a great like echo, Paul. If you if you can figure out an echo for Obsessed yeah. with the Obscure, or you can just go Obsessed. Yeah, see with the obscure. Now you're thinking less work for Paul <laughs> is always better. Yes. So if you're joining us today, we this is fascinating. So fascinated with films. with films is sponsoring this. Yeah, we're sponsoring it. It's still a fascinated with films production. Okay. We're just gonna try something. Uh, so I just well, where's different. the check coming from? That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's cutting me the check? That's Justin. We take care. Of, Justin's the treasurer. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, He's been dropping the ball, hasn't he? <laughs> He's he's saving it all up. He's going to give us something nice at the end. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, so if you're joining us uh, today, usually we talk about like five movies or a slew of movies. We're going to start this cool new series where we take one obscure movie and we just tackle that throughout the whole thing and we talk about it and we deep dive with it and we uh, we do some commentary with clips and everything like that. So it's going to be pretty cool. Is this the first one? This is the first one. Is it really the yes, first one? Yes, this is the first okay. one of the uh, so, Obsessed with the Obscure. I can tell you now, they will get better. <laughs> no, they're, well, they're obscure movies, so they're all great. <laughs> I'm not talking us. about the movies. I'm talking about us doing it. Oh, they're all great <laughs> to us. I mean, it's going to be so- somewhat similar of a format for us, so... We'll, uh, Except I'm holding a microphone. That's different. Yeah, okay. We're kind of on the couch holding microphones now when we're usually at a table with mic stands. So we're going to see how this goes for us, see how it works. I see mic stand in my future with the boom arm. With the boom arm? We'll hang them from the ceiling? No. They go on... A, oh, on the ground? Go, no. Yeah. The, the pole comes up, and then the boom comes up where you can... Yeah. So when you if you're playing guitar on the chair, you got a microphone. I like it. So what have you been up to this last week before we get deep um, into this? Anything interesting? Not really. I went to L.A. Have we oh, done see, a this is podcast since I went to L.A.? I don't think we have. Um, Lay us on us. What, have you been, uh, what did you do exciting there? Um, we flew out there. We went to, did a bunch of sightseeing in L.A. I've been to L.A. before, but didn't. I went out there uh, and I met my client, Arthur Motes, who uh, former linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills. And so he goes around the country doing tailgates, steel tailgates. So we did a tailgate. That was pretty exciting. If that's your there, life, you just go yeah, down. Yeah, it, do it was crazy. He signed autographs for two hours straight. Ooh, like I'm. So like, he's the the Steelers fan. Know him? Oh yeah, he's well. very charismatic. Plus, he does radio shows and his own podcast in Pittsburgh. So people, a lot of people know him just from his YouTube show. Yeah. He's got uh, 29,000 YouTube subscribers, man. People, man. There's a lot of uh, YouTube fans out there that keep... Yeah, and they do the podcast three times a week. It's like, sometimes it's three hours of Steelers stuff. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> and now the Patriots are awesome again. So, <laughs> Well, and, he, and there was no disrespect to them, but who was I talking to? I was talking to a Steelers, a Pats fan yesterday, and they're like, how good would that be if it was Pats Tampa? Oh yeah, well, it's, there's a very good chance that's going to be I the case. I said the commissioner was a Goodell. I bet he. Yeah. I bet that's the prayer he says oh, yeah, yeah, before yeah. he goes to sleep. I think that there's a very good chance that's going to happen. Do I we mean, know where the uh, Super Bowl is. It's in is? LA. It's in LA this year. Huh? So what a weird thing. So you went have. to the stadium. How was the stadium? I went to SoFi and sat in the end zone, like twenty rows up, maybe like field level. And uh, that stadium's nice, brand new. It's brand new. That's why it's. They nice. got like they had the craziest jumbotron. I'll show you after. The show's over because I got some video of it. Basically, it's a big oval screen, but you can see stuff on the inside of it if you're sitting over here, and then you can see stuff on the outside of it, and it does light shows, and it's just crazy. Yeah. 
Well, I've been buying like uh, bootleg DVDs, like obscure bootleg DVDs, which a lot of them will pay off because a lot of them will be on the bootleg series. Sounds like illegal. For sure. Yeah, it's not illegal. They have they have <laughs> rights to be able to do it and everything, so it's not illegal. But I just had watched. Uh, it's not legal, but it's not illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I had been waiting a while for there was I was buying it from two different people and one person I want I spent like 60 bucks on six movies from them but obscure ones like TV movies you never see and I wanted to order a whole bunch more but I was like I'm not ordering more until this lot comes and I can see how it looks because the first lot I came uh it, I got it didn't look as it one of them looked kind of bad the most of them looked pretty good and one of them they had left commercials in or oh, something yeah, that sucks. and I was like what the hell is this and they were aware of it i let them know and they were like oh that's sorry we're gonna send you another copy and we'll take care of that and they did and i uh, i gave justin my old copy it was uh, uh maniac cop too <laughs> let, let i was like if you don't if you don't mind this it's free i said here you go and he's like yeah cool and they had sent me another one but i had uh gotten uh my other one just the other day and all five of them boom they looked like like dvd quality i was like holy shit and she takes like three weeks. She tells you it's going to get there in like 45 days. And I was like, Jesus, 45 days. I uh, think she's just covering her ass. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Because it showed in, in like two and a half weeks. Yeah. And they all look perfect. So I immediately put another order in. So here's my obscure movies. Some of these you won't even know uh, know about. Uh, so Chud 2. Bud, oh, yeah. Bud the Chud. Bud the Chud. Which was the funny one where yeah. the first one was kind of a little bit more of a horror movie. Uh, Time Walker, which I had not seen in forever. It was, you Who probably don't it? even remember it. Nobody. It, okay. Uh, it started 82. A group of students found like a sarcophagus and there's like this black tarry substance on it and it was getting on their skin. It's causing like necrosis, but you could tell that there's like a uh, uh, kind of fantastical quality uh, coming out of there and someone's rising from the dead. Uh, I liked it. I only I re- faintly remember it from childhood, so I uh, wanted to see it again for sure. I got uh, passed away. Do you remember that's oh, the yeah. one with mm-hmm. uh, they all the Jack Warden dies at the beginning and yeah. the whole family gets together and it's all fucked up. It's kind of like death at a funeral, mm-hmm. but it was way earlier than that. Uh, the 1994's TV movie for Fantastic Four, and it looks like absolute garbage. But people said it story wise is actually like one of the most accurate Fantastic Four. Films. Is that the one the guy from the Shield? Played, uh, no, this was way before that. This was a team movie that no one who has played uh, nobody. They're all nobodies. They're all nobodies. Yeah, they're all nobodies. And no the, Mark and Hamill. It looks or... Cheesy as hell. The like they look like they spent less money than they probably could have in 1994. Who's on the it, guy too. from Dukes of Hazard? He isn't in that movie. Uh, which one from Schneider? Dukes of Hazzard? Uh, what was he in one of the other ones? <laughs> uh, there's some guy from Dukes of Hazard right now that's a, like a anti-vaxxing. Oh yeah, I think that's the other one. I think oh, that's the one that went on, that was on uh Django Unchained. Okay. He, he yeah, was yeah, the yeah, sheriff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was him. Uh and then I got Stranger Within, which was a crazy TV movie and I've talked about it before on the pod. That's the one where um Ricky Schroeder Okay. Uh, that woman's baby goes missing at yep. the very and beginning he, of the movie. He and tr- shows up later and says he's... 17 years later, he yeah. shows up yeah. and has a birthmark. That wasn't that, it no, wasn't it was that good. bad. Because I remember there's a scene okay. where uh, he kills the, the husband, the boyfriend, Chris Sarandon, mm-hmm. so like uh, from Fright Night, and he knocks him into the ice and just walks him uh, while they're ice fishing and just watches his body float and struggle on, under the ice and lets him die. So it was a creepy movie, so I'm like, man, I'm getting that. And then finally, I got um, unfaithfully yours with Dudley Moore. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Armand Asante, yeah, uh-huh. and he's he's fantasizing about it. He thinks Armand Asante is having sex with his wife uh, Natasha Kinski, mm-hmm. and who is super hot in that movie. It was really good. And uh, they were both composers, or like uh, is that what it is? Composers. They were like uh, conductors. Like at an orchestra? Yeah, an orchestra. Remember or, that? Uh, I got a train. No, no, no. <laughs> I guess you do have to. <laughs> Literally two completely different I lifestyles. I guess you do have to kind of distinguish <laughs> the two. No, he was uh, in front of a band and everything. So he fantasized about how he was going to kill him. Remember, he put that pig mask on and he chased he chased him uh, everywhere. You're good. Uh, and uh, then when it came down to actually the doing mask. the killing. That's what I really yeah, the remember pig mask. When he actually had time to go <laughs> when he went around to actually do the killing, uh, everything went wrong. He, like, touched the chloroform to his face. Yep. So the whole time he was, like, half out of it. And then uh. the doors were locked and it started raining. They couldn't get in. And he couldn't see through the mask. And it was it was just hilarious to watch it go perfect in his, in his fantasy and then turn out to be a shit show otherwise. It was really great. So I'm excited to get those back. Hopefully they'll get here before Christmas and I can have, like, a Christmas kind of a marathon of those. But... 
we have a, a movie you watch at Christmas every year? Um, I watch Surviving the Christmas is my big Christmas one. Is that the one where he hires all the actors? Uh, yeah, he does that at some point in the movie. Yeah, it's Ben Affleck yeah. and uh, and James Gandolfini. He hires actors to pretend like it's his, it's his <laughs> he family. wants the perfect family, so he hires an uh, actor to be uh, his his grandfather uh, to come in, and everything goes wrong with that. I love shit show Christmas movies. Uh, another one we're going to actually drop it on Christmas. Me and Justin are going to do it as uh, 29th Street, uh, which is always a great Christmas movie. You forget it's rated R, though. You know, you rewatch it and you're like, why don't they play this? And then you're watching it and you're like, oh, yeah, it's pretty. There's like F bombs all over the place. I said they would have to have really clean this up to become a uh, a great kind of uh, family Christmas movie. But it's great for dysfunction and talks about that first New York you're State lottery. It's a big gamble by making an R rated Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. Because people celebrate Christmas movies. Oh, yeah, if you yeah. make a decent one, you're in rotation for the rest of time. And that movie's been out since like 92, and no one knows about it because they never play it because it's rated it's R. Right I mean, if they made it PG, PG-13. household name at this yep, point. Yep, it totally could have. And I love it. Anthony LaPaglia, Frank Pesh. It's the story about Frank Pesh. It's the one where he gets st- stabbed by yeah, he gets the stabbed, spring. He gets stabbed by a spring, and then he, he's. it's about the luckiest guy in the world. He, you know? If it went the way the movie was, yeah. it, it, he was pretty lucky. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. So we'll be talking about that in a couple uh, more episodes. So we're going to start today with one of my favorite kind of fantasy movies from the 80s that we grew up with. Watched it a little probably too young than we were supposed to. Because this came out in like 82, 85, sorry. And, but we probably watched it, yeah, probably around that time. Yeah. Probably 86 we were probably watching it. I think so we I was cable. T- and when did Michael Jackson's Thriller come out? Ooh, that might have been 82, 83. Yeah, maybe 83. We got cable that week. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. It was that week. That that's that's was interesting. the week of the, of the Michael Jackson thriller one-hour yeah. special. I remember it was when Fraggle Rock was on, and I remember us watching Star Wars, yep. uh, the first Star Wars when it was on. We, but that's how I remember when we got cable. Huh. Yeah, and this was on cable all the time. And there's a segment of this. We're going to go through. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the cast. Yeah, Dreamscape. Okay. We're going to talk about the cast, the crew, and we're going to talk a little trivia. But I'm going to I'm going to kick one of the trivia questions. And there's a couple of those trivia questions that I'll uh, I'll break into earlier on. We don't have to actually do it as a segment. And one of the more interesting one was, it's the second PG-13 movie ever made. Was it uh, the first one being Red Dawn? Because it, the whole discussion started while. Uh, Spielberg was doing Temple of Doom, and he, they said, hey, we're going to drop a, an R rating on this. And they were like, no, we we need to figure out something else that between PG and yeah. uh, R, because this is not right. And then they came up with PG-13, and his movie hadn't been done right, so he actually started the whole PG-13 thing for Temple of Doom. But a lot of movies got it before I mean, uh, what it was does he actually have to, released. The only thing he has to take out of that is the heart scene. And he, Well, he didn't. And maybe he didn't have to take scene. anything out. No, I know, but... If he would have wanted it PG, if yeah, he would have the t- heart scene and maybe the table dinner scene, some of the stuff there. It's all, it's all, that was a dark movie. It, it was, was it really was a, dark. It was a dark movie, so he would have probably had to make a lot of like little. I mean, child slaves are okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of child so, slaves in that movie. Yeah, Red Dawn was the first, and then Dreamscape was the second. And Dreamscape had nudity in it, but it was removed later on. I watched it and I didn't see the nudity. On yeah, there was there's nudity in this. Well, there's two famous nude scenes in it, and both of them were cut. And I there might be a little of the first one in there. The scene where the Probably, guy he goes and the guy Capshaw doing the nude scene. That was a big one because I think uh, that Spiel, I could see why Spielberg pulled that one. That was available on the first original theatrical release, though. So we probably grew up seeing that. Yeah. Uh, seeing that scene, I, I'm pretty sure it was just a more explicit scene on the train when he was uh, okay, doing yeah, on that. Yeah, so, yeah. let's go back to the beginning, though. So, there's fa- fabulous actors in this movie. If you haven't seen Dreamscape, oh, the, the obviously, cast is great, super great cast. Uh, and I can tell you some of the people that tried out for it and that didn't get it and everything like that. But so basically, we got Dennis Quaid playing Alice, uh, Alex Gardner. We got Cape Capshaw. Who else we have? We have Max uh, von Sydow. Max von Sydow. And Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. I mean, those two guys right there are heavyweight. heavyweights. Yeah, heavyweights. You usually don't get to see them yeah. in the same movie at the same time. I mean, too. Max von Sydow gives your movie credibility, no matter what it is. Oh, it's yeah. almost like him and you know who else? I kind of put him in the, as a. Donald Sutherland. Yep. Like yeah, Donald Sutherland. Those guys come in and do a scene in your movie, and your movie's better for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
Max is still kicking it, man. Still kicking it. He's got to be he? severely up there. I watched. He I was, was telling you before this. we uh, went online that I watched the, uh, the like that live different strokes and everything. They had Norman Lear out there. I saw completely the... talking and everything, and he's ninety nine, and he's still he? like pitching deals and doing all sorts of shit. He's not going to stop until he's in the grave. So there's a lot of people like old, a lot of those older actors that are about Betty to like White. turn. Betty White turns a hundred in like a month. Uh, Dick Van Dyke turns 98. Betty White's going to die one day before her 100th birthday just to piss everybody off. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, she'll, she'll last till 105. She'll be like, yeah, he's still holding up for me. Uh, who else is in this? Eddie Albert plays the president, who most people yeah. know him from Green Acres. Green Acres yeah. um, the guy from Beverly Hills Cop, also from Warriors, I think. Oh, yeah, David Patrick Kelly. Yeah. Not Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Be- 48 Hours. 48 Hours, yeah, that's yeah. right. I he love David a- Patrick Kelly in this. He's super good. He's yeah. a big uh, Walter Hill guy and uh, Twin Peaks. He was yeah. in Twin oh, Peaks. Oh, he was great. He was great in Twin Peaks. As the brother? The brother. Yeah. He was absolutely phenomenal. He's just that weird guy, that weird little guy that you can put in movies, and he yeah. almost always plays a bad guy, but he also is he can play a, kind of a likable scumbag, too. I mean, he's either the bad guy or a scumbag. Yeah. That's usually his That's, two platforms. <laughs> I don't know what that says about him as a person. One of my favorite lines in this movie is uh, Dennis Quaid comes running in, running in after the guy had his session with the lady, and he was mad at him because the lady passed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, they're sitting together? He's eating yeah, the yeah. sandwich, and he's like, how can you eat that sandwich? And he goes to stop him, and, and uh, he looks at Dennis Quaid, he goes, you better back off or you're going to pull away a stump. I was like, <laughs> Dennis Quaid would stop on you, little man. <laughs> oh. Dennis Quaid. Was, oh, he totally would. He was he was young dude right there. Oh, he, he was, was young. This was after break, you Breaking tell, Away we had already yeah, seen him Yeah, you could in. tell he was going to be a star. Yeah. Because, I mean, he was good looking, he was tall, thin, and he just knew how to deliver lines. Yeah. Like, you believed... They had a couple minor actors in this who were great, like George Went, who whose oh, yeah. character was a little strange in this, you know? Yeah. It was like it was almost not needed, but... It wasn't needed at all, but I, I appreciated it. Yeah, it was good to have in there. It, it, I, what I have a feeling that they were trying to do is, it's that whole thing where the, a third party tells you what's really going on. Yeah, yeah, there. the exposition. Like, it was almost like a... Like, he was almost you like a, need to watch out for what they're doing, because Dennis Quaid was like, whatever... He was almost like playing Stephen King in a way. He was like a horror writer. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, if I was Dennis Quaid, I would I would be on the road going from track to track. Yeah, he's in the new. Uh, Dude, Kurt if Warner I had that, too. if I had that ability to. Oh remember yeah, remember he's yeah, picking yeah. the horses. Yeah, 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 that's what it was. And we never did get to see him used. Um, that's probably what he was doing, though, right? They didn't really go into the fact that he... Uh, you knew he had psychic powers. They showed him move that little ball for two seconds, and then you heard Ma- Max talk about him, hmm. how great he was. All right, let me get these last three guys, okay. and then we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the premise here. We had three more character actors that are worth uh, mentioning this, because I, I really so like him. Peter Jason, who's great in everything. He's in a lot of uh, John Carpenter who which, films. Who was he in here? Uh, he was one of the thugs oh, that yeah, was yeah, uh, yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. him. He was is alongside... It, is he in the Heat of the Night guy? No, that's Chris uh, Mulkey. Who, okay. who's the other character guy and he's uh no i don't think he's in here he tonight either he's he's the twin peaks guy that twin had peaks the, guy. the card uh he, okay, he yeah, carried yeah, around yeah, like yeah, the yeah, ace yeah, of spades yeah, yeah. or something you've seen him in a bunch of different stuff peter jason was chuck fleming action news oh, from uh, sure. uh brewster's millions and then finally brian libby who was uh who's you've seen in a ton of different stuff i'm not sure we've had him on any of our character actor pods yet but he's uh he's really good and he also uh he played like the crazy serial killer that couldn't be killed in Silent Rage, that Chuck Norris movie. I don't know if you remember that uh-huh. old school one. Yeah, it was pretty Who good. Who was he in this movie? One of the thugs? He was one of the thugs that attacked him at the uh, at the uh, racetrack. So he was in one of those guys. Oh, Not okay. Like was the, he the Irish-looking guy, the, the short guy? Uh, no, he's tall, huge monster of okay. a guy with a, usually has a mustache. He's really good. But if you look him up, Brian Lippe, you'll you'll know who it is. Uh, it was also directed by Joseph Rubin. I'm going to go into the credits a little uh, bit later of the uh, the crew, but it's directed by Joseph Rubin, written by David Lowry, uh, uh, the composer Maurice uh, Jer. Cinematographer was Brian Tufano, and, the, and edited by Richard Halsey, but we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. And I've got some of the details with the, the specs and what the budget was and everything. But let's talk a little bit about the actual movie itself. It gave me nightmares. Back when in the I was day. a kid, that snake. Yeah, it did with me too. So we're basically dealing with a kind of a very familiar subject if you've watched The Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, it's very yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street-ish. And it turned out one of the co-writers in this co-wrote 
Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. So might have, close to root. might have something to do with it. But it was about pe- people that were psychic that were able to go into other people's dreams. Yeah. So you basically, I mean, it's almost got, like Inception a little bit. A little bit. It has definitely got an Inception quality to it. So you got people that are that are come to this institute because they're very troubled by their dreams for different reasons. One, one kid guy was would, having nightmares about the snake. You also had the guy that was uh, thinks his wife was oh, cheating yeah, on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. You had the steel worker guy that was afraid uh, of heights. He had a lot of high height dreams. You got to take. You got to quit that job. Yeah, yeah. You got <laughs> to quit that job. But then you've got and this whole institute that is working at the Dream Institute is run by Max von Sydow, Kate Gapshaw is one of the main workers. And they have a couple really kind of talented, clairvoyant kind of psychics working with them who have the ability. Also very Cell-like, you know, the movie The Cell Mm -hmm. has a lot of qualities of that. So the king shit of all of them is is played by, uh, what's his name, David Patrick Kelly, who plays the Tommy Ray character. If you got three names, you know you're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) His character had three names, and he had three names. So David Patrick Kelly played Tommy Lee Glattman. You knew he was going to do that. He's like, I only go by three names. And he's great in it, but he's got like the hugest like ego head. I'm the king shit. There can only be one king shit because only one of them can do it. You know, there. This is a this is a normal research. He was the only one that could do it. That didn't need to be hooked up to the machine anymore. That's true too. But no, I don't think that was revealed at the time. Even when he was doing it with the old with the woman. Like that ended up dying. He was in the machine. He just kind of his secret was that he didn't need the machine to do it. Uh, they would like astro project themselves, yeah, into the people's just, dreams. Just and being then they, able to do that was hard. and not only could they do that, they interacted with the dreamer, the dreamer, yeah, in their dream. So if the dreamer was running away from a monster, Dennis Quaid would show up and say, yeah. "Hey." Come with me. I'll I'll help save you. Or Tommy Ray, which you didn't see much of that. Which I don't know how could that even have gone, because he was kind of a nihilistic fuck. He was he really was. He was a sadistic yeah. scumbag. Mm-hmm. So you really didn't want him to the point where he killed one of the dream people they was in. The woman that he went in there just for practice, really. Yeah. Because there's like a third thing going on in this movie, which is very interesting, where you've got <laughs> Eddie Albert is the president who's having nightmares himself, but then you've got Christopher Plummer who is, like, the main scumbag in this movie. Well, you find out that this government, this is behind... You think it's university-based, but yeah. then you come to find out it's a government project. Yeah, and even more so than that, the main goal is to somehow work Tommy Ray into the president's dream so he could... Uh, I don't know if he was going to do an Inception thing, like he was going to steal the, uh, the missile codes, or he was just going to flat-out kill him. He was going to kill him. Because he was going to go to the summit and negotiate on disarmament. Yeah, and they didn't And the want government that. didn't want disarmament. Weird how that works. Yeah, they didn't want it. They give up all their big defense budget. Yeah. So they were, because he didn't even want to kill the president. Yeah. He, he was trying to talk the president out of his position. Yeah. And the president's like, well, I'm having dreams and I can't stand it. And I it's think like, it's the right thing to do. It's weird. We just happen to have yeah. a dream. I got a dream too. program right over here. Right over here. <laughs> Might help you with that. Oh, yeah. They're lucky Dennis Quaid came in because he was that sympathetic guy. So we get to see Dennis Quaid. They they kind of talked him into doing it. He had not been doing it for a long time. Max Van, Von Sydow kind of talks him, invites him to a bar, has a beer with him, and says, hey. They don't talk him. They kidnap his ass and throw That's him in the true. car. That's true. They do kidnap his ass. but They kidnap, but... At He's first, he was with them. well. He uses them to get away from the mobsters. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, because he was, has a gambling problem. <laughs> I don't think he had a gambling problem. I think he wasn't cutting the other guy in on his action. <laughs> he has a paying them problem. <laughs> yeah, he, no, he they wanted him to pick numbers for them. Yeah, and he's like, no, I wanted to do it for himself. But. Yeah, so they they end up kidnapping him, and he doesn't need much persuasion. He kind of immediately falls for Kate Capshaw and. She, and he, I had a crush on her back in this. Uh, this was probably space. This camp was probably day. this. Th- this in space camp, she looked and, really good. And, and, and uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones for sure. Yeah, she was big until she married some loser, and she didn't have to work anymore. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know, Kate Capshaw has married, been married to Steven Spielberg probably since Temple of Doom. I think that's yeah. where they met, uh, which was the same year as this '85 for this and for Temple of Doom. So this was. Kind of Kate Capshaw's year, you know, two PG thirteen, two of the first PG thirteen movies. Space Camp came out. Space Camp was probably six eighty seven. I would imagine. Yeah, that's where I would I would put that. Probably pretty similar to that. Uh, but 
what was great about this is once you found out what was going on, it was all about getting to see him go in the dreams. And the first dream was the steel worker. And he goes into the steel worker uh, uh, dream. And right when he comes out, it was like, it was great. It was like he was coming out of a roller coaster at some yeah. big high. It's like, like oh my God, it it's so real. It it's so real. And then they talk about it and everything. And then shortly after that, they he goes into the guy who's cheating on his wife, and which was a little bit more of a. We should talk a little funny. bit. The, the cinematography on this movie was whacked out, man. It was almost like some acid trip type thing. Yeah, like when he was in the steel thing, you could see the clouds going by real quick. But when we they were when he went into the guy whose wife was cheating on him, or thought she was cheating on him, he had like ED and he had all these uh, uh, kind of things in his head that made him think his wife was cheating on him and. When they actually got into the house, everybody he knew he was, was in, in the there. Room. His golfing buddies were under the bed. The best was, was, was when he pulled the curtains back, and the and the like, priest, the priest and the gardener, and the gardener were standing there, yeah, and, and they're just talking to him and everything. And his wife's having like this huge kind of thing, and he had to come to terms with it. So he was actually helping people in these dreams. No, no person more so than the little kid. You know, the little kid had been in a couple times with other people and it wasn't working and they were like alex you got to help this little kid and he actually had kind of a discussion with the kid beforehand outside and he was uh was he in a wheelchair i think he, he was in a he, wheelchair too i think it was he, at one point he was walking so i think it was just one of those you're in a hospital you're in a okay. wheelchair type thing or was he just walking in the dream or he, he might have just been walking yeah he might have just been but... walking in a dream because i remember well I don't know, maybe not, because Dennis Quaid gives him I mean, a football, want, which is a kind no, of... No, he gives him a baseball glove because he plays Little League. That's true. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he must... That would have been a cruel joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry about them legs, dude. You, you Here. can play catch, though. <laughs> Just don't miss it. Just don't miss it. You got to be really good. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, so his problem was he was going into these dreams, and he was coming in contact with, like, this crazy snake creature, which, like Dave said, that and he was, was having nightmares, I was having nightmares. It's cheesy now. when you go back and watch it now. The, the special effects Some were, of the special effects were pretty cheesy, but the story holds up. The story holds up hardcore, for sure. The story is great. The If you can get over the, the lizard snake. <laughs> it really sucks that Tommy Lee would not share his kind of experience with Dennis because it, it could have helped him a lot because... Tommy, what Tommy Ray, Tommy Lee, Tommy Ray realized shortly going into it was, it's a dream. I could do anything if I imagine myself as this. I can, it can achieve it. And Dennis Quaid never got that way until the very la- end of the movie, where he realized, holy shit, I can manipulate the dreams. I could uh, pretend there's objects in my hand that aren't here, you know, and that would have really helped him out in this. And that's what made Tommy Ray, other than the fact that he didn't need to be hooked up to machines to do it. That's what kind of made him special in this. So when Dennis went into the uh, the snake dream, that's when we realized he could really do some changes because him and the kid, like, killed the snake creature, cut his head off, went the down, and the, the kid cut his head off, and, and it was really good that the kid did it. Dennis is, like, rooting him on. Kill him, kill him. He's like, stab him. Or he had an axe. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Stab him with the axe, and then he stabbed him with the axe, and his head fell down, and you were like, ah, he can really do some cool shit here, man. So it was exciting to see, and he came out, the kid gave him a big hug, and you were like, ah. So that was the end of the kind of like the kind of uplifting the uplifting ones we should talk a little about the cape capshaw one because it was it's a little weird it's actually very weird he like sexually assaulted he almost sexually assaults her in a dream but since he can actually be in the dream it was almost like a real sexual assault because she fell asleep in one of the offices yeah and he just came in in. and sits next to her and sits next to her and immediately and this is when he realized he didn't need to be hooked up so technically he didn't realize he was going to be able to do it beforehand because up to this point doesn't excuse it it's true (laughs) and it's a little it's a weird gray area for sure it's a weird gray area because he sits down and she's dreaming about being on a train and he shows up in the train and they have this passionate like harlequin like romantic love scene on the train and then all of a sudden she wakes up she thinks she's just having a dream not realizing that uh and she's kind of into dennis quaid they realize that when they're doing that kind of like uh psychic why don't you try to do that on a woman that doesn't know about the project yeah i know and so when they wake (laughs) up he's in the room and he's looking at each other and she freaks out and and he calms her down he was he was like 
that was probably not the right thing to do because she there was not obviously full consent and he remembers everything in the dream and everything and he immediately pivots it to the idea that hey the more important thing here is i can do this not plugged in and yeah let's focus on that yeah let's focus on that (laughs) and uh they soon realize there's a conspiracy against the president the president's going to be coming to the institute and they soon find out that oh shit uh, what's his name? Christopher Plummer is behind this whole thing, and bad shit's about to happen. And Tommy and, Ray is like right behind it. And here's the thing: and if you're ever in this situation, don't make the same mistake because people make this mistake in movies all the time. But Max von Sydow is like finds out what's going on. Yeah, and he's like, "You'll never get away with it. You'll never." Don't say that to the person that. Yeah, it's probably not the best. Literally not going to make it out of there alive. He's got a whole bunch of goons outside with guns. That's where you say, oh, I'm totally 100% on board. Yeah. I got to get my checkbook yeah. out of my glove box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my brother's going to help me. <laughs> totally that type of situation. So they were smart, too. She was like, Kate Capshaw is like, well, the president is in the room above my office. So maybe if you go into the office, you'll be close enough to go into the dream and you'll save him. Because obviously... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Tommy Ray is going to enter the dream and he's going to do some serious shit. Well, here's the cool thing, and you didn't realize it till the end, is that remember Dennis Quaid broke into Max Montecito's office and went through Tommy's files? Yeah. And saw that he had shot his dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had some background kind of yeah, information. Yeah, so he knew to bring something, it. And, he, and it's funny because he used it against him. And the president was having like post-apocalyptic nightmares like a button it was pretty creepy you know that he had he had like pushed the button and killed hundreds of thousands of innocent people really for some reason like i was always really scared that there was a possibility of nuclear for a few years there yeah from like what was it the day after tomorrow when day after tomorrow was the big one that came out the tv movie that said hey we'll we'll scare you right from your home do you remember well Reagan won in 80 based on yeah. helping combat the USSR. Yeah. And there was, for those bunch of years, there was a lot of tension between them. Oh, yeah. So it was it was ripe. You know, yeah. it was oh, ripe yeah. for a cinema, too, that, that, that we were going to be afraid and of the rotten. And if you had to do it, and... get the farmer who had a pig. Yeah, yeah. And, well, Dead, uh, you got, what, uh, Dead Zone, which was another big one that oh, kind of yeah. dealt with the, uh, the buttons being pushed yeah. and this guy's got to do whatever it takes. So the, the whole end sequence was great and we're going to talk about it we're actually going to go through and we're going to put it on and we're going to do a commentary over it but the the gist what about it was that uh it also took place on a train and uh dennis quaid was the first one in there and came comes to the president and says hey this is what's gonna this is what's happening you you have to go along with me i'm gonna keep you safe and then all of a sudden tommy ray shows up and then all hell breaks loose well actually we'll play it so we won't talk a whole lot about that uh and it was a great sequence, great special effects of it, and uh, it was exciting as hell, man. The great ending to this whole movie. I love this movie. I thought this movie turned out great. Just to give you a little background information, too, on some of the crew in the trivia before we go into some of the commentary. So I got some interesting stuff written down here. So the director, Joseph Rubin, he was definitely well-seasoned director. He directed The Stepfather, True Believer, which was the one with... Um, uh, had James Woods and uh, Robert Downey Jr. in it. Uh, Sleeping with the Enemy, The Good Son, Money Train, Return to Paradise. Remember that one? That was a good one. Oh, yeah. uh, with who was in that? Was it uh, Joaquin and uh, Vince Vaughn, where they did some shady shit and they had to go back there or something? Uh, the writer was David Lager. He also wrote the screenplays for Star Trek V, so it's kind of amazing he ever worked after that because that's no, notoriously known as the worst Star Trek movie ever. I actually thought it was kind of good. Which one was it? Uh, that was the one where Spock's brother, and it was a lot of the stuff with the nebula. and okay. It was just a very slow kind of nothing happened in it. A lot of people give Star Trek shit for being slow, and this one was really slow. Yeah. So He also had wrote uh, Flashback, which I have coming in the Dennis mail. Dennis Hopper? Coming in the mail today. Yeah. It's Dennis Hopper, Kiefer Sutherland, where Dennis Hopper steals Dennis uh Dennis Hopper steals Kiefer's identity as an FBI agent and uh starts impersonating him. It's really funny. Uh he also wrote uh The Three Musketeers, uh obviously the screenplay, not the novel. And also Money Train. So that must be where uh David Lowry and uh, Joseph Rubin had met uh doing Money Train. So 
Or actually, later on, I guess they had done Money Train. The composer won three Oscars for this. Really? He, uh, not for this. For, he okay. had previously won Because the music Oscars. here was distracting. It was. It was a you. little... To go back now and watch it, it yeah. was distracting. It was because there was like scenes... Synths. Like really synthesized things where you're like, you didn't need to do and the, that. And when right the guy then. went in to see his cheating wife, it was like circus music. That I didn't mind because it was at least kind of fantastic. It went with the cinematography yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but the, just the heavy synth... But, I mean, you got to remember when this movie was made. Yeah, so the composer, Maurice Jarre, had won Oscars for Dr. Zhivago, Lawrence of Arabia, and A Passage to India. So, man, they So, gotta... basically, he just, he was like, let's update, because he probably was doing scores back But I'm then. telling you, like, here's some of his other highlights of movies that he didn't win Oscars for. Huge movies. Taps, Firefox, Witness, Enemy Mine, Beyond the Thunderdome. He did the music for all these? All these, yep, all the scores. So, Beyond the Thunderdome, Mosquito Coast, No Way Out. Fatal Attraction, Dead Poets Society. Well, then Society. this is his most experimental. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because everything else is pretty straightforward. Ghost, Jacob's Ladder. So he, a lot of big ones. Jacob's Ladder was good. This probably was his most experimental. I think you got a good thing with that. I think this and Enemy Mine probably were his two kind of more that he could play around with. Because everything other one seems orchestral more than anything. Cinematographer Brian Tufano, the only other two movies that were really well known. He had a bunch of credits, but the only ones worth really mentioning were uh, Shallow Grave and Train Spotting. So he had attached himself real early on to Christopher Nolan stuff uh, to be able to come out and do that. No, not Christopher Nolan, uh, Danny Boyle. Uh, because those were both Danny Boyle movies. The editor did a lot of really good stuff, too, and this was probably a pretty experimental one for him, too, because he did a lot of weird stuff in this movie. But he he was the same editor who won an, uh, the Oscar for Rocky. So uh, Richard Halsey won the editing for Rocky. And then his other highlights were uh, Down Mountain Beverly Hills, Mannequin, Dragnet, Earth Girls Are Easy, Beaches, Joe Versus the Volcano, Edward Scissorhands, Sister Act, and one of my favorites, So I Married an Axe Murderer. So he kept busy after this man. So the crew was very, like, this was an obscure movie, but it, it had a lot of really accomplished people attached to it. Some of the trivia that I thought was, uh, that was pretty exciting and uh, interesting, we can talk about it a little and I had mentioned one, the first, the second movie ever to be rated PG-13, uh, Red Dawn being the first. I remember uh, really early on when this had happened, we were going to uh, like summer camp because mm -hmm. I remember them having us on the bleachers right before like we were having morning meetings or something like that on the bleachers and them explaining to us what PG-13 was. So they said, this Friday, we're going to the okay. theater. And those, they, that are and those who are 13 can go see Gremlins, because Gremlins was playing. How old were you? Uh, not 13. So I, didn't, I wasn't able to go see uh, that. But yes. I saw so many great movies uh, at day camp. I saw uh, Goonies, Karate Kid, were two of the big ones that I remember seeing at, uh, at summer camp. But a few people could go see the PG-13 movie. So I remember it when it, they were actually explaining it to us. I like so. the Pizza Fridays and the Roller Rink. Oh, until we got kicked out. Yep, the Roller Rink was great. Yeah, some of the best video games I ever played was at that Roller Rink. Yep. They had one of the best arcades. And if you were poor and you had no money left, yeah. you could play track and field. You could play track and field. Remember they had yep. that little switch? You could turn it yep. off and on, and it'd give you like five free games oh, every yeah. time you turned it off it and on. It was and awesome. I learned to hate that game, but game sucked. <laughs> game was, sucked. Was the, Doing the sprint game, you had to hit. You literally had to exhaust yourself. It was literally the the if you could pick one game, you, you wouldn't want you it to wouldn't be. want it to yeah. be free mm -hmm. games of it. Would I should, we should have looked uh, for buttons on all the other games? I mean, yeah, if they were all in the same places, because it was at the top. It was at the very yep. top. You had to, and it was a switch. Yep. Just went doop doop, and we would look around and make sure none of the people we're, were looking, and we would hit it. They probably knew about it too, but I maybe don't know. <laughs> they were. The, that was the first place that we used to do suicides, which is uh, get a large Coke or a large soda <laughs> and then have them out. put a little bit of everything in it oh, nice. all the way down the line, you whatever they had. I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And we termed it suicide. So after a while, we ordered it so often they knew exactly what we were talking about. We'd say, say, give me the suicide. Had some good times at that day camp, man. Oh, it was yeah, fun. Yeah. Or a summer camp. So and, uh, a couple of the other stuff... Uh, Noteworthy of uh, mentioning is Kevin Costner was offered the role of Tommy Ray, but turned it down because he didn't want to play a supporting role because he had already done that in Silverado. That was a pretty supporting role for him mm -hmm. in Silverado. And after that role, you barely see him play a supporting role at all. It's all now he does it, but now, but he was like, I'm going to be a leading man. This is how I'm going to do it. 
So a little bit on the, the deleted nude scene that I had written here. There's a deleted nude scene involving Kate Capshaw that, re that was removed for the PG-13 rating, but apparently the scene was featured in the theatrical run and on its original VHS release. So if it's... So that might be a good one to pick up on VHS uh, because it's just not available anywhere else. Because I know there's they did the same thing with Swamp Thing. There was a nude scene oh, Adrian of Adrian Barbeau. Like, uh, you can pull it up on YouTube. We used to joke with Gary that you had it. Oh, that I had it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's a version out there. There was a version on DVD where you could find it, but it was very obscure, and it was it's like 100 bucks or something like that. Swamp Thing. I don't like it that much. I can watch her in other movies. That's another, uh, oh, that could another be Twin Peaks connection. In a uh, in Swamp Thing between who Ray Wise man. oh Ray Wise yeah Played yeah Swamp Thing yeah people forget Ray Wise was a superhero before superheroes yeah. were superheroes I love Swamp Thing and that could totally be on um for oh, sure on the list of obsessed yeah. obsessed with the obscure because I almost said the obsessed with the obscene <laughs> <laughs> so we could do that one too. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there was also an alternate shot in the U.S. DVD release where the husband finds his wife cheating on him. Originally, that you could see her partially naked, but on the DVD, they only show her face. So I'm going to have to pull up that scene at some point and go back and see if it's, it's that version. But I'm pretty sure that's probably the she version She got paid I have. for the nude scene and then didn't have to show it. Yeah, I mean, uh, she probably uh, was the case. Uh, this was one of three dream movies to be released within a year. So before this, like six months before this movie came out, Brainstorm came out, which I loved with Christopher Walken. Great movie. And then like six months after this movie is when uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street had come out. I remember watching that. So the, the guy who co-wrote this must have written number uh, three, which is my actually my last trivia here. Chuck Russell, who co-wrote the screenplay, also wrote Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. So we actually dipped into Dreamscape for uh, Dream Warriors because he wrote that one first. Dreams, so the concept Dreamscape was already Dreaming written. Nightmares, the, it, and it was funny. It was the last scene of the movie that scared me. Uh, for this day. movie. For Dreamscape. Yeah, for Dreamscape. When yeah. uh, you see, uh, what's his name, walking down the hall? Oh, for Nightmare on Elm Street, you're talking about? No, I'm talking about Dreamscape. Remember the last scene with the military guy? Oh, 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 when uh, when Christopher Plummer goes to the elevator? Goes to the elevator, oh, gotcha, and the elevator gotcha. opens, and Dennis Quaid... Yeah. You don't realize he's in the dream. He's in Christopher Plummer's dream. Yeah, and he turns into the snake creature. A weird-looking snake creature. It wasn't, like, the same it creature. It wasn't the same creature, but it killed him. Because yeah. remember, he woke up, so Dennis Quaid's a murderer. Yeah, he's a murderer. Straight he's up did it. He's literally a murderer. I guess he deserved it. <laughs> I mean, he deserved it. That's beside the point. That is funny. I guess... You know, you could. That's that gray area. When you're in a dream, are you actually killing someone, or you're? Uh, I think if they were really to break it down, you are actually a murderer. Tommy Ray was murdering people, and then Dennis Quaid falls too. If you do something that causes somebody else's death, then that's yeah. murder. Even if you do it in the dream. How about having sex with him? Because he certainly did that. And he was a rapist too. Oh God, man! Dennis Quaid <laughs> is not. He's turned into the anti-hero of this uh, this pod. I'm kind of looking at Tommy Ray's. You guys watching <laughs> movies about murder and rapists. You guys are the same, man. <laughs> yeah, they should have gotten a condo together. So obviously, PG-13. This was released August 17th, 1984. So this was a summer release, in 84. Uh, did I say 85 before? You yeah. said 85. Oh, it's 84. So there. Uh, the location was all California. They did all of it in California. That was right. I mean, that when that movie came out, I remember a lot of stuff from that year. I remember we got, I got, uh, we used to go and get cassette tapes yeah. from that music store near oh, Bradley's. Hey. Oh, good vibrations. Good vibrations. And I got uh, Van Halen, 1984. Yep. It was in 83. It was like the end of 83 or yeah, something. Yeah, that's when we got Huey Lewis. Yep. But then I remember going to summer camp. I think we saw, what did we see? We saw something in the theater. In 84? Ghostbusters? No. Uh, Ghostbusters was... Ghostbusters might have been 84. I think it was 84. Yeah, because uh, because Back to the Future was 85. I remember going to, with the summer camp to the Scusset Beach. Yep. Oh, that was a big one, too. mom had bought me a, a boombox. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember you playing it in, on the bus. And I had brought 1984, and yep. most people hadn't heard it yet, and I was playing P Jump in Panama over and over again. That was a hot... Day at the beach. Oh I remember you burn your feet. I remember brutal. thinking sandals were kind of stupid. I kind of like, that wished I had that particular that day moment. ruined me. I think I didn't go on as many as the beach ones unless my friends were all going because that's how that's how I did those trips for the uh, for the day camps. Like it's if everybody, all, went, all your friends you going, then I'll go. If all my friends aren't going, I'll stay at the camp and do our thing because you didn't have to go. But 
All right, so we're gonna watch three clips here, and we're gonna we're gonna talk, and we're gonna play them. We're gonna uh, we're gonna discuss kind of the cinematography and what what looks good and everything. So I'm gonna queue up there. So I'll pause this real quick, but I'll queue it up so it'll be automatic for the listener here. We're gonna go right into it. But this first one we're gonna talk about is where Alex initially goes into the first person's dream, and he's up on the building with the with the steelwork, and it's like three, it's like just under four minutes long. So here, let me pause it here and queue it up. All right, here is our first clip here. You as you can see, you can't, no, you can't see. <laughs> as you can, uh, as we're seeing here, the technology was kind of crazy, man. So they've got him all wired up, and all these like dream. This movies is the first like that. scene where he went under, where he actually went under. Yeah, so he's got uh, what electrodes attached to his head, to his chin. He's being talked through. He's getting by, a pep talk. <laughs> getting a pep talk by Max von Sydow. And everything, and it's weird how a lot of these dream movies were all the same thing, man. As long as you put somebody in a chair and you attach wires to wire them, yeah, it's it's like an easy ass special effect. Yeah, and it looks like they got them in like one of those soundproof rooms that you would record crazy audio in. So the the production design was actually fairly fairly I'm good. On, in this they must movie. have had a decent budget because these were all eight million. So back I mean, then, yeah, I would think the. Uh, what do you call them? The the budget for actors probably wasn't astronomical at this point. So that, uh, in '84 they could nobody actually, was making twenty million dollar yeah, picture. They could actually. Who was the first one to make a million dollars? Do you know? We do. Uh, that was one of the Canon guys, and they paid him too much. Remember, it was uh, I think it was Stallone. I think they paid Stallone too much for Cobra, and then it just set the bar for everybody else. So you got to have the uh, so Kate Capshaw in this movie. She kind of took control of like the vitals when people were under. So she must yeah. have been a doctor, right? She, she was, was a, she doctor. a doctor. She was a psychiatrist. And this is cool. This is where Dennis Quaid actually goes into the dream, and they do like a cool Matrixy type of thing, uh, <clears throat> where they just. What would you describe this as? This uh, scene in Spaceballs when they're going ludicrous speed. Yeah, it's like ludicrous speed. It's, <laughs> it's true. So you're, they're doing this crazy kind of artsy thing where it looks like he's going through all these nebulas and like dream things. What's interesting, and you can also hear him scream as he's going into it. Uh-huh. So once we're into it now, so the, you see the steel worker on top of the building just doing his job and Dennis Quay is just suddenly there. But this cool thing they're doing with the uh, the background is in the, is is in time lapse speed. Yeah, it was like time lapse speed of the clouds. But then the foreground, so it gave us this kind of cool, funky kind of look to it, and everything. That's not a way to save somebody. So no, now jump out on the beam with them. So this beam is like hanging 10, 15 stories off the ground, Ooh, and the steel that. worker is like hanging off it. And Dennis Quaid, since it's like a dream, I guess he doesn't even worry about it he jumps straight up there and goes to grab this guy and this guy is ready to fall for sure and yeah it's creepy man if you have heights problem and i'm sure a lot of people dream like this they have heights dreams i don't usually have many heights dreams my only i have i'm i have my i'm afraid of heights but because i might jump Oh, man, that's cool. So, yeah, he's grabbing his arm, and his arms obviously is separating from his shirt. Never grab the shirt. Actually grab the arm. What good is And he could easily grab the arm right here. Oh, and so the, actually the steelworker holds on, and Dennis Quaid falls, man. And this is the great scene where right as he about to hit the ground, that sucker wakes up. And he is shocked as shit. You could tell that this is an experience that, like, uh, if you could sell it, you would sell it. Well... New, uh, what's that like movie? Virtual reality. No, I guess. that that movie with uh, Angela Bassett. Oh yeah, yeah, like strange, uh, strange, strange days. days yeah, it's kind of strange recorded days. Your experiences and played it for somebody else, like a dream. Yeah, so Dennis Quaid's just like happy as shit. Oh, oh. and then you've got Tommy Ray says, "Up, oh, there's a new guy in town, and he's gonna steal a lot of my work, man." So yeah, that was a killer, killer scene. So the next one we're going to uh, go through, and this is a good one, man. This was the first time that Alex goes in with the little kid. I think the first and only time. He only has to go in once, and he's going to fight the snake, and he's going to see the snake. And he ends up having some like PTSD over you the can, snake thing, you, man. If you want to watch this movie, you can get it on YouTube. Uh, oh, it's on YouTube? With uh, ads. Oh, interesting. And literally... You only have to watch the ads for like ten seconds. Oh, that's good. I didn't even know that. So, so yeah, there's a ton of movies on there, and it, and, and I should mention the and time you know code. what? It's usually obscure movies. Yeah. So 
That's why I said give me my list ahead of time. Oh, cool. So this uh, this next one here, and I'll mention the time codes because if you can, if you want to pull up Dreamscape, do it. You can watch it alongside of us because some of these are like five minutes. This you next one, follow along with me. Yeah, this next click is five minutes long, and the time code is forty four minutes and thirty six seconds. So if you jump to forty four minutes and thirty six seconds, you can uh, listen to us talk about it. And we're going to do that right now. We're going to talk about Alex and the Snake. All right. Thank God for chapter search. So I don't know whatever happened to this little kid. We didn't mention him in the cast, but he looks like he could have been somebody later in life. <laughs> he looks creepy. Yeah, he's a little little redheaded kid. Looks like he could be on the Sandlot. And, the movie man, The Sandlot. Yeah, he totally looks like a little fat kid from Sandlot. Just put on some pounds, kid. Playing catcher. <laughs> yeah, so he's talking to Dennis Quaid. They're about to go in the dream sequence, and he didn't know it. The kid doesn't know that Dennis is going to go in with him, so he actually feels a lot better. Because, I mean... Getting hooked up this thing, you got to know, oh, you're going to go see the snake creature that you're scared shitless of now. Yeah. Wouldn't so, that be enough to not make you go to sleep? We never see the parent, the kid's parents or anything like that, man. It's just like Dennis Quaid doing his thing. So, And I love this. Was, I remember being as a kid, and this is where I kind of learned about the, the REM, that rapid eye oh, movement, yeah, yeah. because that was like big and such a great acting tool. Just close your eyes and move your eyeballs back and forth, yeah. and you're sleeping. So crazy. Until you actually see that somebody really do that, you realize that it's actually a thing. So once again, Dennis still hooked up to the wires. He doesn't know that he doesn't need the wires at this point. Same thing. He's going through. It almost looks like uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Doctor Who. Doctor Who, yeah. Because we're seeing like this clock tower and everything. Talk about a weird-ass TV show. That was a weird TV show. So right now they're in like what would probably be Tim Burton's nightmare. I was just gonna say <laughs> it looks like something out of out all of the Tim angles are like weird and disjointed. So they're in like this huge kind of like, like funhouse almost. It's almost like a funhouse, but it looks like somebody's living room at the top of like a huge tower. Basically, it's whatever the kid is dreaming. So this is, and he's dreaming that he's in this crazy tower of terror, basically kind of house. Yeah, and there's lightning going on, and he's worried about the snake, and the weather's bad, and Dennis Quaid's just cool as a cucumber. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to open the door. <laughs> he kind of went in like like he was he's pretty really, cavalier. He was very cavalier. Her. I think he was kind of green at this point and didn't realize the kind of possibilities, or else he would have I mean, it seems like he's scared at some point. Oh, once like, he sees the snake, he's scared but shitless. He opens the door. No one's there. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's weird because he's supposed to be, I think they're on like the top floor or something yeah. in this building, but you could still open the door. Yeah, whoever yeah. did the set design for this did a fantastic job. Oh, oh snake, hand through the window. Snake's hand through the window, grabbing the little kid. That's how it happens. Oh, oh man, is, I'm telling you. This, this is part right here is really creepy because it's his dad, but he'll never help but me. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. And so he they show that. him getting eaten in shadows. That's right. They did like actually going, some animation yeah. on this, too. Almost Tim Burton style, like right there. It shows him eating the dad. Eating the dad who wouldn't help him. That wouldn't help him. Now they're running down this, like... This, Tim Burton uh, staircase, for sure. Lord, if Tim Burton did Lord of the Rings. It's creepy, man. <laughs> they did a really great job on the set design in this movie. Because they, I don't know, that had to have been on some sound studio. And then they're going down to this awesome... I mean, anytime you get to do it... Anytime you can do something for a dream... That's, yeah, just there's the no rules limit. are out there. There's uh, no rules. You can you can make fish breathing on land. You can have And it's really cool around. looking, man. I'm telling you, this is like a fun house. But, oh, there's a snake. So it's basically a complete cobra head, but then the body of like a person. Yeah. But also scaly. But it's you got, got the same So th- that was a that was a practical. Now it's anima- claymation. claymation. Yeah, we're going from like animated to claymation to and a then a rubber effect. suit. So here's like and it all looks animation. good. I mean, this what we're watching it on isn't Blu-ray, so this hasn't been remastered. This is just DVD. I should get the Blu-ray since it's one of my favorite films. I would like to see it. So now he's begging him, like we said, he's begging him to hit him with that axe. <laughs> Alex is holding him for him, which is great having the kid do it because it's a whole different thing if Dennis Quaid does the killing. You're gonna have to show up every night and kill this thing. Yeah, I know. So this kid, <laughs> in his mind, it's almost like they told they should have told him let the kid do it. I think it didn't happen Maybe that that's way. It was the just pep talk he gave him and we didn't hear. I think it was just a happy accident that Dennis Quaid let the kid kill the snake because then it's just <laughs> dead to him in his dream and theoretically, theoretically he's not dreaming of the snake anymore. Oh, and then he wakes up and unbelievably excited. Yay, like I am jumping it. out of my chair. For some reason the wires are already off him. We're not talking about, We're not that. Talking about that. 
<laughs> you don't talk about he the wires. He totally wakes up and he's already detached from the wires. But <laughs> And they haven't even Oh, out. and then you cut to Cape Capshaw and Cape Capshaw is like, I'm going to have sex with this guy someday. She's looking at him <laughs> like she works? is super excited. Well, it wasn't Dennis Quaid's eyes for sure. Man, yeah, you, they cut to like this news thing right afterwards. You can really get how old this movie is. Because it has <laughs> rabbit ears. All right, we're going to jump to the to the next clip. And the next clip is going to be at 1 hour and 22 minutes and 15 seconds. And this one's going to be like a seven-minute clip. This is going to be like our big scene at the end where Alex and the president are fighting Tommy Ray, and it's going to be awesome. So let me hold up here. All right. Now, we are in the president's dream, and the president's dream is not a pleasant place to be. No, you don't want to go to the president's dream because, because the president's dream is burned out. There's... There's uh, zombies or or zombinoids or whatever you, whatever you. Yeah, get. the the bomb had already been real. He already pushed the button. Or so we're looking at nuclear destruction. Yeah, they. It's a complete red scene. They they would have died by filters. radiation at this point. I mean, a crazy red filter they put on this camera. The entire scene is kind of like hellfire orange and red, and. Uh, so Dennis Quaid is now on the train with the president. Trying to explain to him what's happening. Yeah, because they didn't prep the president at all. He's like, hey, I'm in the facility with you. Somebody's going to come in and yeah. kill you. I'm here to protect you. He so believes him right away, it. though. He does. Uh, I mean, he knows this is kind of a dream sequence and everything. Or, or a, he's at an institute and something was going to happen to help him. <laughs> Look, at, there's the Capitol building. Oh, yeah. So they are actually at Washington. I'm not sure I ever put that together. So he's driving Maybe through, the like, senators Washington. are all in there. This is after the insurrection. This is on, on December seventh. <laughs> this is December seventh, <laughs> <laughs> and the president's like losing his shit now. <clears throat> oh man, Tommy Ray's about to show up. And what's great about Tommy Ray is oh, he's he is. been honing his craft, man, of being able to to like do this. So he just jumped from outside. He's such a small guy, too. Oh yeah, it's he's got that complex, that Napoleon complex. Oh yeah, and we see it shortly on where because oh, watch out, Kalima. Kalima. <laughs> exactly. So he just he just creates these like metal fingernails that pop Freddy out of Kruger. his hand like almost like, like stilettos though. And he it's just like if Wolverine didn't have a lot of length to his knife. So he just pulled the heart out of a like uh, security guard that came up and said, Is there a problem here? Yeah. And then he throws the heart at Dennis Quaid and says, Have a heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's all about the one-liners and just showing off what he could do. He's getting some serious enjoyment out of this. See, he's telling him he can do whatever you want. Why would you tell him that? Don't tell him that. I always thought that, too, was weird that he almost was... But then again, maybe he wanted, like, a fighting chance with him. And, oh, this was one of the best. Tommy Ray got some serious makeup on Yeah, he shows up as as one of the people in the... So the red filter goes away, and we see this, like, zombies all over the train. And Tommy Ray is like melting and his nose yeah. is melting off and he's just pointing at the president and saying, he did this to you. Yeah. He did this to you just to make the other zombies attack those, him. Those uh, makeup is really good. Really good makeup effects. Like straight on, like they might be masks, but they've been like doctored with lots yeah. of goo and nastiness. But pretty good makeup effects for sure. Some of the effects obviously were dated for 1984, but the makeup, you can do good makeup back then, so... They're just pushing their way through the zombies to get to the next train car. And yeah, and they get away from a whole bunch of them. Zombies are pretty easy to get away from. I Those know. they don't bite you. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone's got different rules, too. So, Oh, you're not safe, though. The oh, Shogun this was Warrior. awesome, man. <laughs> you yeah. like Bruce Lee movies? <laughs> yes. Like- so he's dressed up like Bruce Lee now, and he's doing some crazy like, nunchuck you work. You like gladiator films, Billy? Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so Tommy Ray's like killing it with the uh, with the nunchucks. Apparently, they mm-hmm. cut a lot of this out of the British. Uh, that wasn't on my trivia, but I had heard that too. That British has a problem with nunchucks. What? And they were cutting stuff out uh, of British films with. When nunchucks I think about it. the British, I don't think about their problem with them. Yeah, I know. Well, now you will. Every I think time they called nunchucks too. I think we were just calling it wrong. What is it? New new chucks? chucks? It's not nunchucks? No, it's not nunchucks. I can't relearn that. I'm too I'm They're too old now to relearn it. Oh. oh, so great claymation scene. Well, here's the cool thing. If you remember earlier, Dennis Quaid at the in the lunchroom was drawing them. Yeah. If he hadn't drawn that, he wouldn't have never known what it looked like. Yeah, Tommy Ray have fu- secretly found out that uh that Alex was scared shitless of that snake creature. So he just went from a nunchuck chuck uh, or a Bruce Lee character 
and transformed claymation style right into that snake. So yeah. now he's got to fight the snake. But Dennis Quaid has an ace up his uh, up his sleeve here. So they're like, I don't even know where they are Hounds now. Of hell. They're like, they're off they're, the train. They're in Freddy Krueger's basement, pretty much. It really does look like that. It looks exactly <laughs> how Freddy Krueger's basement used to look. The red filter's still there. They're like Just sparking like trash and hell dogs with glowing eyes, live wires that they have to kind of like. <clears throat> it's like an underground kind of subway. Across. Really good uh, set locations. I'm sure this was probably also a studio that they just built this in a studio. It's just yeah. so much more. E- I mean, eight million dollars. You got a lot of money to do stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure where. And then they filled it all in California, so it made sense that they were going to do this all in a studio. They had. Eddie Albert had, had he, he almost stunts, looked man. like he did a did a stunt there. They had to jump over this like opening to get away from where he couldn't hold his shit together and he fell over. Oh, oh snake, snake head comes again. The, he sna- just, the, the, the the practical one is way better than when they try to do. Yeah, the, the, the they really should have kept it with the 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 suit, you know, and the practical effects because it really. They could have had him running around. I would have believed. I think it. people are learning that today, even with movies now. Do as much practical as you can, and just beef it up with some digital effects and everything. Unless it's something really crazy. I mean, obviously, if you're you can't do, do Avatar without. Yeah, if you're doing Avatar or stuff like that, you got to do that. But it's a lot better when it's just like these kind of rubber suits. So, oh, this is where the final kind of thing comes <clears throat> comes on. Dennis Quaid's trying to arm himself with something. Mm, Grabs like a lead tire, metal tire iron. iron. And you don't even see the the, the president's the one that actually. <laughs> I always does like the main thing. I always like how a torch becomes available. Like yeah. you you need to do something to that wood to get it, to do that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and that might be even is that even wood or the piece of metal? No, it's it's wood. It's He's wood. got the metal in one hand. and He picked a board up that just happened to be on fire. Yeah, it needs like, to be like dipped. The top needs to be dipped in a rag, rag and, and then kerosene or kerosene. something. Yeah. No. So. This doesn't work like the movies at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? When he's how like, ah, oh, this hurts. People. When he shot. When he shot him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, taking out a demon dog. How they did the the, the, the eyes effects. would have been digital effects. <clears throat> it's pretty good because it's uh, there. He is. Ah, the snake just bit him in the shoulder. Oh, snake and pops threw up. him. And th- but then it's almost like Clash of the Titans. Yeah, it, it jumps to like a Ray Harryhausen, which kind is fine. Of I like Clash of the Titans. It's scary as shit. But oh, see, this is where Dennis Quaid. So he's looking at his bite wound and he's watching his bite wound just heal itself up. That's really, this whole movie, that's the first time he's actually able to manipulate something the way he wants to. I wouldn't to. want to fight. And that's kind of what gives him pipe. the idea. So he jumps up, and all of a sudden, he transforms into Tommy's father, his who dead, we had never seen dad. before. We, we don't but even, he saw a photo of him. We did see a photo of him. No, that's he, how he knows. He saw a photo of him in that's his right. file. That's right. <laughs> so then Tommy, like, transforms halfway back from the yeah. snake. You can tell it's him in a suit, too. And he's like, Daddy? Daddy, Daddy, Teddy, <laughs> and then bam! Green Acres just stabs him in the heart from the back. But then they did a really good cut to him in the bed with uh, Christopher with Plummer, Christopher Plummer, like, and he sitting really, over him. He's really sold, sold it. Yeah, I mean, so you can tell job, Christopher Plummer is like, "Oh shit, this motherfucker just died in his sleep." Ah, <laughs> I am out here. <laughs> That's such a great scene, man. And then Eddie Albert just wakes up. And he's pissed. <laughs> he realizes oh, yeah. bad well, he, shit. They're like, let's go back and talk about it. Like when he goes to leave and he, he tries to send away his security detail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they just declare Tommy Ray that's, is dead. That's, that's Chuck Taylor. Action News. Yeah, Chuck Taylor. Action, <laughs> Chuck, uh, Chuck Fleming. Chuck Fleming. <laughs> Chuck Taylor. <laughs> he makes sneakers. Yeah, it was an exciting ending, man. I really enjoyed it. And the fact that they – both times they – they didn't have Dennis Quaid actually do the killing. You know, they had, uh, and, and technically, did he kill him in the uh, thing, or did he just have a heart attack in the uh, in the elevator later on, or did it, he actually? Do I, something I don't to think him? it does. I don't think it matters. Yeah. He caused him to die. In see, the... we're gonna we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see this in court play out because <laughs> I mean, I'll tell <laughs> you what. I'll tell you what. How about involuntary manslaughter, five years? Yeah. I guess we could go with that. Well, <laughs> then we're going to have to put another uh, charge on for that rape scene. Though. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's 15. That was premeditated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is such a fun movie, man. Yeah, if you're out there. If you're if, a big sci-fi fan, like old kind of like. If old, you don't mind cheesy 80s kind yeah. of special effects, because it's in there. If, if, if you have a problem with that, then you're going to have a problem with the movie. Yeah. For sure. But it's 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 kind of a. It's done in a ridiculous, like it's all in a dream, dream sequence. So it's all, it isn't like they've tried to put these practical, these digital effects within like a regular scene like yeah. this. Yeah, 
And it's a precursor to bigger and better things, you know? You kind of like to go back and see how things started. And uh, it, I think some of those old dinosaur movies that Dad used to watch. I loved them, man. When they did the play, uh, almost claymation. So like the Ray Harryhausen stuff yeah, is some of my favorite stuff, good, man. man. I don't care if it looks goofy. That's not kind of my thing, I mean, you know? Like those skeletons coming out of the ground in... Uh, yeah, and uh, Jason, the Jason the Argonauts. Really good. Scare the crap out of me. Yeah, so... Yeah, definitely a movie to check out. So that's our feature today. I, we're excited. We're going to be able to do a kind of uh, one of these. We're going to. Well, obviously, we'll be kipping, kicking back to fascinated with films every once in a while. But this is a, a cool new segment that we can throw in every once in a while. We'll probably do four or five of these in a row, and then we'll jump back to fascinated with films for a little bit. But next week, if you join us. <clears throat> Me and Justin are going to deep dive into The Last Dragon, and that's going to be a super Has he seen that movie once. before? It's his favorite movie of all time, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then, how, did that, how did that work out for him? And then uh, we're actually on our on Christmas, we're going to drop uh, one for 29th Street, so that might be a little harder to find. That might be one you look on what YouTube. What do I get to do? And you can see. Well, then your ne- uh, your next one is going to be Krull. We're going uh, right. to talk Krull. We're also going to, uh, or there was another one, we're going to do Remo Williams. So we either do Krull or Remo Williams uh, after the Christmas one. So we got a, we had a bunch of good ones coming up, man. So if you got any suggestions, throw us some suggestions, too, if you got an obscure movie that you want to see. So you can visit our uh, Facebook page, Fascinated with Films. You could also uh, hit us up through email, films at gmail.com. Or you can uh, leave a like or a comment on our two platforms, iTunes or SoundCloud. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear some of your favorite obscure movies. Could be action, horror, comedy, any of the obscure, man. We, we'd love to hear it. There's so many movies that we talk about with people, and they were like, no, I've never heard that. And there's so many movies that I love that I've found like one person in my life that's seen, you know? Especially and- nowadays, if you talk to people. Like twenty year olds. Yeah, I don't know how deep they dive they backwards don't, at I, all. I mean, because there's so many movies to watch now, and there's not many of these. Not a lot of these are available on Netflix, which is the reason I have such a large DVD collection. Because they just Netflix and HBO and Hulu, they have a good amount of movies, but not all of them, and not the obscure ones that you were like really fond of back in the day. So uh, maybe we'll start a comeback here. Obscure yeah, maybe we'll. Yeah, this is gonna change. Life as we know it. Or something. So, until next week when we're changing life. (laughs) See ya! Bye. Alex, have a heart.